Kevin O'Brien here, the FF Engineer. I host the Fantasy Football Engineering Podcast, where I bring on a guest each week to discuss a wide range of topics, all to apply practical knowledge in order to design, research, build, and maintain your dynasty rosters for now and beyond. I borrow brilliance from each guest and share how I leverage many different areas of expertise to accomplish common goal of competing all year round. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to this week's edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Dan Myler, once again. I am here with my good friend Ryan and my buddy Matt. We're going to start a new series over the next month or so until the regular season kicks off. We're going to preview the divisions starting this week with the NFC East and AFC East. Guys... We try to cover as many players as we can every single week on the on the DLF Dynasty podcast, and I think this is a good format to cover as many players as possible in uh, in the limited time that we have. We're going to start with the NFC East. We'll dive right into things, and the reason we started with the Eastern divisions is because our two uh, conference champions are from those divisions. We might as well start with the NFC East and the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to send it right to you, Matt. I think the most interesting position to me in Philadelphia isn't the quarterback where we have MVP candidates and and Super Bowl MVPs, you know, kind of not really battling for playing time, but both certainly being considered for playing time considering the injury to Wentz it's actually at running back there there's just a slew of guys Matt that are going to have a role it seems like who's the guy that you trust if any in that Philadelphia backfield you know this this offense is really interesting because it's so high powered it's, it's so productive but for some reason for fantasy and dynasty purposes we aren't really that thrilled about any of these guys um, I just to answer your question. I think it's still Jay Ajayi for me. I've, I've I've been a lukewarm fan throughout his career. I, I like what he did at the end of the season uh, for the Eagles last season. Not necessarily in the playoffs, but at, at, towards the end of the season when it really started to seem like they were going to lean on him. Um, but you know, like you said, you have all those guys back there. Clement is he going to be a thing? I still think Sproles might have something to say about the passing, uh, that passing down work, and maybe more than that. Um, so I, I'm taking flyers on, on, on Sproles at the very end of my draft, but otherwise it's a Jai for me. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's a blind spot in, in my analysis, but I'm not really considering Clement as, as much of anything really other than like a change of pace back. And, and if he's going to share that role with Sproles, then I'm not super interested there. So give me a Jai. I think he's going to be a running back to, you know, this, this season and in 2018. And, and we'll, we'll give you some of those, uh, those bigger running back one weeks, I think. Yeah, it's easy to pick Ajayi because he he's kind of the obvious choice to me. His ADP is the highest among these running backs, and he did average almost 14 carries per game after after arriving in Philadelphia, or at least over the last six weeks. And now that Legarrette Blunt's gone and that that bruiser up front isn't isn't in town, it, it appears that Ajayi should have that role, but. I'm like you were, Matt. I'm, I'm lukewarm when it comes to Jay Ajayi, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure. And when I see those other names on the depth chart, which, which you mentioned, I just feel like there's a lot of roles that those guys are going to kind of filter into. We're going to see Sproles catching passes, not only on third down, but early uh, in the down sequence as well. And Corey Clement just won't go away. That, that coaching staff obviously likes him. Ryan, what are your thoughts on the, on the tailback situation in Philly? I've never been a big Jai fan, but I guess I'm just wondering what has happened in the past year to really push dynasty owners away from him. Because this time last year, he was certainly a trendy player, and he was even pushing inside the top the top 24 overall, inside the top two rounds. Uh, in fact, if we look at a year ago this month, his ADP was 21.5 last August. It was 20.7. Uh, a year ago, July, and 
now one year later he's he stayed healthy uh, that was that's always been a big concern and a, and I guess a big criticism of Ajay he stayed healthy he's on a better offense clearly I guess you could say he has more competition for touches but I'm not sure that's the case uh, I guess it depends on what you what you think of Kenyon Drake and maybe what you thought of Kenyon Drake a year ago but I'm I'm just shocked to see him so far down. I think he's running back, yeah, running back 28 right now in our July ADP, and uh, we'll have August data very soon. And although I'm I'm not a fan, he seems like a value at this point. He's behind his former teammate Kenyon Drake, who, regardless of what you think of him, is is certainly less proven. So Ajayi actually seems like kind of a value right now. Yeah, I I, I can't I just can't get on board. It, it, and and maybe it's that Miami Dolphins version of Jay Ajayi that sticks in my head. Maybe it's him slipping in the draft still. Maybe I can't get over those things. Uh, I love that Philadelphia offense. I I think they have one of the best coaching staffs in the league. For for anybody that has picked up Warren Sharp's book, his football preview for 2018, he raves about that coaching staff and the decisions that they made and them overcoming all those injuries. And uh, points to the coaching staff as the reason they were so successful, as well as Wentz's skills and things like that as well. Um, I, I, I don't know how, how JHIE fits into that, that whole model that they have there. It seems to me like everybody's going to have a role and that's going to eat into things. Uh, 14 carries a game or 14 touches a game sounds about right for what JHIE is going to get. That, that points to an up and down season to me. And might end up being a low-end running back too, but I'm not sure if he ever has those big we- big enough weeks uh, consistently enough to really, really do- make a dent in the dynasty or even the fantasy community. Quickly, guys, I want to make ask one more question about the Eagles. Who do we prefer at wide receiver, Ryan? Alshon Jeffrey, who has an ADP of 89 in in July at least. Or, or excuse me, Nelson Aguilar was at 89, and Alshon Jeffrey is uh, is sitting at 46. Considering ADP, which one do you prefer? Considering ADP, and and I'm pretty sure redraft ADP looks similar as far as the the gap between those two guys. Uh, it, it, I easily want Aguilar, and if you tell me they cost the same, I, I think I still want Aguilar. Uh, I, I'm just honestly not trusting Jeffrey to even stay healthy. Uh, that has really hurt him the past two seasons. He's failed to finish inside the top 20 those past two seasons and partially due to injury. But I, I'm just not sure he's a difference maker anymore. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I bought Alshon Jeffrey in a league for the first time in my dynasty career in one of the kitchen sink leagues, partly because he was the only option for me that I could afford, really. But I got Jeffrey... And I'm already regretting it. Matt, what do you think? Are, are you still holding on to hope with Jeffrey? Or are you onto the Aguilar bandwagon? No, I, I can't with Aguilar. He, he has been getting glowing reports in camp. But I don't know. I just I still want Alshon Jeffrey. Again, this is the case like with the running backs. This is such a great offense, but we don't want the wide receiver one. What's going on here? I know the injury history, but he played all the last season with a torn rotator cuff. That came out. Uh, had surgery this offseason, finished as wide receiver 23 last season with that injury, uh, and it was his first year in the offense, learning the new offense, learning to play with a new quarterback and all that stuff. So I, I honestly think he's, he's going to be inside that that top 20, maybe even closer to a fringe. I don't, I don't, I, I, I hesitate to say wide receiver one, but in that top 15, I, I would say he's 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 almost a lock to finish there if that offense continues what they're doing. So I think at what is it, uh, wide receiver 23, right? Oh, he's wide receiver 23 and ADP right now in July ADP as well. Um, so I, I think there is a little bit of upside there still still for him. I think we'd all agree that the Eagles offense offers a lot of upside. Uh, whether it be their running game or, or, or through the air. Carson Wentz, those wide receivers and those running backs. We didn't even mention Zach Ertz, one of the top tight ends. And they added a young tight end that has some upside as well. Lots of publicity, lots of lots of hype coming out of Philadelphia for another big year offensively. I think we're, we're all in agreement that, that they're going to put up big numbers for us uh, as fantasy owners. Can we talk about those tight ends real quick? Sure. Do you guys? We only you, got time for two questions <laughs> at each team, but take, all right, never take, mind. Take me. it over, Matt. No, no, it's all right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Right. What do you got to say? 
No, I just, I, I'm just curious how you guys feel about Ertz this season with Goddard there. I mean, I think that Goddard's probably going to be, you know, outside of Alshon, maybe the best red zone, uh, end zone kind of weapon they have. Like, I think he could easily take five, six touchdowns away from Ertz this season um, and, and kind of bring his numbers down a bit. Do you guys, do you guys see him making any kind of impact this year? I actually feel like it's on top of what Ertz does. Ertz has never been a big touchdown scorer anyway. Right. I think he's going to get us four or five touchdowns. And, and I agree with you that maybe Goddard could score four or five as well as a red zone specialist, if, if there is such a thing as a, a tight end. Uh, that big body, and, and I think those quarterbacks there will really like him. Uh, he goes up and gets it like like some of those athletic tight ends that we've seen over the last 15 years. So uh, I, I think Goddard will get his. Um, it won't be predictable, I don't believe. I, I don't think he's going to be all that useful in fantasy because we're never going to know when it's coming. Super tight, touchdown dependent. But I think both could score five touchdowns, and, and Ertz could still approach a, you know, he's going to have all those all those targets and, and catch all those passes. He's, he's going to approach top three tight end numbers once again. Yeah, I guess I'm more worried about Ertz's uh, health status than necessarily losing uh, opportunity to Goddard. But that's not to say I don't think Goddard can uh, contribute to the offense this year. Uh, I certainly think he can. I guess more like Dan was saying, I, I don't think that really comes at the expense of Ertz, assuming he is healthy. So let's move down to Dallas. Uh, a couple questions about that Cowboys offense, even though there are way more than that in the Dynasty community. We're going to start with the offense in general. Matt, we'll send it right back to you. Outside of excuse me, outside of Ezekiel Elliott, can you trust anybody in that offense to be a regular fantasy asset? Not, not now, not, not yet. <laughs> you know, I, I think there's a, there's a chance that we, we learn who Dak prefers out of this ragtag group of wide receivers. You know, Cole Beasley's, Beasley's been getting a little bit of pub lately as maybe that, maybe that underneath target. And, and he had success with him in his rookie year along with Witten and Witten isn't there anymore. So if he has that rapport with Beasley, then, then maybe that's something, but Beasley looked pretty terrible last season. So um, I, I, I guess the short answer is no Zeke is, is it for me in this offense. Beasley's the guy for me that I lean towards as well, just because there is some history of production from him. And I believe there it really, it's doubtful that anybody's going to take those slot snaps away from him. In my opinion, Dak likes to look over the middle. Maybe it was just because Witten was so good at running that five yard cross and catch it if, if he got it close. But I kind of think that Beasley's going to take over a little bit of that. Ryan, your thoughts on, on that Cowboys offense? Yeah, looking at the backs, receivers, and the tight ends outside of Zeke, we can't trust anybody yet, like Matt said, because we we just don't know. New faces at wide receiver, whether it's through free agency and Hearns or, uh, or with the draft and Michael Gallup, the tight ends. I don't even know how many combined catches these tight ends have between them, but it's probably single digits. Uh, so we just have no idea. Certainly... Somebody is going to establish themselves as a, a major fantasy contributor or, or at least at least a fantasy starter, whether it's uh, Cole Beasley in PPR leagues or, or maybe Michael Gallup is the real deal. Either way, uh, it, it's hard to believe that the Cowboys have have kind of fallen in, in talent as, as far as they have. We all believe Zeke is going to do what Zeke does, and, and Dak will probably get some because he, he likes to run the ball, and, and he'll get points, fantasy points at least, doing it that way. I, I agree with you guys. There's just not enough pass-catching talent for me to get excited, and I surely can't trust anybody, especially these tight ends, Matt. No, certainly. Um, I do have a, a quick tight end game if you guys want to play. There are currently five tight ends on the Dallas Cowboys roster. How many can you name? I, I think I can name three. Ryan, can you name more um, than three? No, I can name four, I think. Can you name five, Ryan? I definitely cannot name five. <laughs> no, I can't name five. Hit us with four, Dan. Uh, Dalton Schultz and Rico Gathers. Yep. And then that Swaim, I think Jeff, Jeff Swaim. Swaim, right? And the last one is Jarman 
or close Blake Jarwin. That's not bad. Blake fifth, Jar- Jarwin. Yeah, the fifth guy is David Wells. So yeah, nice job there. Uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, who of the who of this group can you t- can you trust at all? Uh, I kind of feel like they're going to be blockers. You know, Rico Gathers has been the dynasty darling. He's got the athletic upside, but it doesn't really seem like he cares that much about football. So who's it going to be? Uh, maybe it's going to be Katie Cannon. Maybe he's going to make a return to to, to stardom. No. no, 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 no. Yeah, we'll <laughs> let's not get too overzealous there, Matt. With that, let's move on to the Washington Redskins, fellas. I was listening to Sirius XM Satellite Radio, the NFL Network there, and they were doing a, a training camp tour. Their training camp tour. They made a stop in Washington, D.C. to talk to, to everybody uh, with the Redskins organization, and people were raving about Darius Geis. Now, I understand it's coach speak, and, and what's a teammate going to say? No, that, that guy's no good. You know, why'd we draft him? Um, but but it seemed like everybody was singing the praises of Darius Geis. I am still on board as him, him being the second rookie taken in, in almost any rookie draft, and that includes Superflex. Uh, I'm pretty excited about his upside. Ryan, how how high can Darius Geis finish among running backs in PPR leagues in 2018? I'm pretty excited about his upside as well, uh, long-term especially. Uh, you, you know, I'm tempted to say he can even crack that RB1 territory, um, especially with that Thompson news that we've heard l- lately that maybe he's not going to be healthy. I was looking at some of the numbers from Jay Gruden offensive players over uh, his career, both as Washington head coach and a Cincinnati offensive coordinator. And a lot is talked about as far as the production he gets from quarterbacks, whether it's Kirk cousins or Andy Dalton certainly had his best seasons when Gruden was there. And and that's why a lot of people like Alex Smith this season. And and I get that, but I, I was looking at the running backs. He's never had a fantasy RB one, meaning he's never had a top 12 fantasy score. He did have the RB 13 with Cincinnati uh, several years ago, but, and you know, maybe that's a personnel issue. They've been searching for um, a, a real stud running back in Washington since they let Alfred Morris go and, and they haven't found the answer. And hopefully Geis is the answer. Um, so I, I would say I'm going to go back to kind of what Matt was saying. I'm I'm going to say just outside that top 12, maybe that, um, you know, 15 to 18 range. Yeah, I think we're sharing a brain here. I was going to say top 15 and with the with the ultimate upside of maybe even being top 10. Uh, that would be a, a, certainly not anything we, we haven't seen before with a rookie running back, especially recently. And, you know, before the NFL draft, I thought Saquon Barkley was in a tier of his own and that Darius Geis was in a tier of his own at two. Now he's lumped in with the rest of those tailbacks, Matt. Is is there a case to be made that Geis should be that second running back? And what do you think of his upside for, for his rookie season? I, th- I think he absolutely is. I think he's in the best situation of any rookie running back. Don't come at me with your Rashad Penny takes. <laughs> uh, your your Sony Michelle takes who's struggling in camp who can't stay healthy who's going to fumble all the time. I I, I loved guys coming out. I'm sad that he didn't go to the Lions when they traded up to to grab on Johnson, but. This guy, Darius Geis, he was playing with a, with a chip on his shoulder before that happened, and now he's going to be out to prove everybody wrong. I know that's narrative street, whatever you want to call it, but I really truly believe in Darius Geis, and I think he has that, like you said, Dan, that top 10 potential. Maybe not this season, uh, especially depending on if, if Chris Thompson comes back healthy. It seems like the last report I saw on him, correct me if I'm wrong, was that he doesn't expect to be 100% until November, and if that's the case, then I think Geis is going to get everything because who else are you afraid of on that roster? Are we afraid of Pre-Ryan? Are we afraid of Rob Kelly. Neither of those guys really catch passes either. I think guys probably catches passes better than both of those guys combined. So I think that top 12 to 15 range is, 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 is a cons- is conservative. And if you want to be aggressive, I think you could, you could definitely slot him in as a top 10 to 12 guy. So I'm holding, I, I have one more rookie draft coming up and I'm holding the second pick in that draft. And I'm, I'm taking guys and, and really happy to do so. I, I couldn't agree more, and I hope you guys are right about that upside, at least for this rookie season and, and certainly beyond as well. Let's talk about their receivers real quickly, guys. Matt, it's kind of a ragtag group 
in Washington. There's not that number one receiver. They gave Paul Richardson all that money, $20 million guaranteed, $8 million a season to to play on the outside across from Josh Doxson. And Jamison Crowder is expected to man the slot once again. I know Crowder is a popular pick for PPR owners uh, as a guy who could approach 80, maybe even more catches. And that certainly would give some value. Is there a wide receiver here that you prefer? Which one finishes highest in PPR leagues for you? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm just going with the crowd here, but it is it is Crowder. Uh, you remember when we had George on a few weeks ago, Dan, he called he, his bold take was to, to make James and Crowder a wide receiver one this year. I don't know if I'm going that high, but I think he could finish as a wide receiver two pretty easily with his target share. He was hurt a lot of the last season, um, but once he got healthy, he, he really produced well for fantasy owners that were trusting him in their lineups. So, um, I mean, Paul Richardson's getting all the money. I like what he did in Seattle, but is, is, is Alex Smith going to be the Alex Smith of, of 2017, you know, the most efficient deep ball passer in the league, or is he going to go back to what we usually think of Alex Smith being and the dink and dunk kind of guy. And if that's the case, then it's Crowder. Um, Doxson, I, I know he's your boy, Dan, but he's already, he's already got that shoulder thing. It's probably not going to affect him in terms of you know starting in week one, but he has that injury history. And I don't know, it just doesn't feel like his game really matches up well with what Smith likes to do um, historically. So I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with Crowder here despite the, the highest ADP of the group. You know, I really feel like the the top wide receiver finish in PPR leagues coming out of Washington might end up being the wide receiver 24 or wide receiver 25, something like that. It, of, of all the things we know about Alex Smith, and, and he has gone up and down, and, and we saw what he can do with the deep game in, in 2017 in Kansas City. But with all we know about him, the the thing that really sticks out to me is that he spreads the ball out. He throw it, throws it to the guy who's open. And it... In Washington, it feels like we have a lot of similar players or, or similar talent level, maybe. Um, there is talent there for sure, but we could have a lot of guys who catch between 50 and 70 balls, and, and maybe none of those really really take charge and, and grab hold of the reins in, in PPR leagues or in, in fantasy in general. Ryan, is there somebody else that you prefer there in Washington? No, Crowder would be my choice just, just by default. I honestly just don't trust the other two players to stay healthy. I, I was shocked. I'm still shocked that they gave Richardson so much money. So that, that seems like an unwise decision. And again, going back to the, the Jay Gruden coaching data that we have outside of a couple of AJ green seasons, when he was in Cincinnati, he's never had a wide receiver finish inside the top 15. Um, so what you guys are saying about spreading it around, that's exactly what he's shown to do in his in his four seasons in Washington his highest finish was a wide receiver 22 wow that's good stuff you know I everybody points to Alex Smith's big deep ball season in 2017 I I still go back to that being a lot more to do with Tyreek Hill than it does Alex Smith I'm not falling for that Paul Richardson stuff I I I wouldn't be shocked if he catches 35 balls in 2018 and, and plays the entire Season. Let's go to the last team in the NFC East, fellas. Let's talk a little bit about the disappointing New York Giants in 2017, at least. Riddled with injuries. They have all that talent on offense, guys. It is a gold mine if you're a dynasty owner and you would own all these Giants. You'd have a, a darn good team. But Ryan, Odell Beckham Jr., Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, and Sterling Shepard all in place here in New York. They can't all put up massive numbers. People expect uh, a huge second season from Ingram and Odell Beckham to return to the glory of, of pre-injury and, and Barkley to take the league by storm. There there are lots that expect Shepard to eat because he's going to get the, the, the defense's number two or maybe even number three corner. These guys all can't put up these big numbers. They can't all be pro bowlers, and, and they can't all catch all these passes. Who's the most likely to suffer from from these from this group? Uh, and don't take the easy way out. <laughs> mm, I, I don't know what the easy way out is. I, so I was actually doing some research on this recently because we we see Barkley, Odell, and Ingram all going in the top ten of their respective ADP at each position. And that's both in dynasty and in redraft. I was focusing more on redraft because I was, I was thinking about their quarterback, Eli Manning. 
So I, I looked back in NFL history. There's 99 times when one team has had a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end all finish in the top 12 of their uh, of their position, and the average quarterback finish, fantasy finish of those 99 times was quarterback six. And now you see Eli Manning both in redraft and in, in certainly in dynasty, basically being forgotten about. So I don't know if. if these three young players live up to the expectations, then first that tells me uh, we're vastly underrating Eli Manning. If I'm choosing one to one of the three, and, and I'm not even including Shepard. Sorry, Dan. Uh, if, I'm inclu- if I'm looking at one of those three who might not live up to the hype, I, I guess I would have to say Ingram. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people would probably answer that way because of, of Beckham's stature among those wide receivers and and all the publicity around Barkley as a rookie and that number one pick and everything coming into the NFL draft. I know that that offensive coaching staff is, is primed with, with coaches, I guess that, that have peppered tight ends with targets for a very long time. They, they hired Mike Shula. He's been in Carolina for the fast, past few years. Greg Olson was a huge part of that offense. Of course, uh, Coach Shermer is there now as well. Kyle Rudolph has been a huge part of that offense in Minnesota. I, I, I have a hard time just immediately going to Evan Ingram. I know why you said that for sure. Uh, and my mind went that way as well. But man, it seems like that coaching staff's going to want to use that guy. Uh, and, and he didn't emerge out of nowhere, obviously. Matt, what are your thoughts on the topic? Uh, it's, it's really difficult. I, I think it could happen. I think they could all end up, you know, a top uh, 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 tight end one, wide receiver one, running back one. I think they could all do that. I mean, we, did, we saw it last year with, with Kansas City, um, and I think Ryan's right. I think we are vastly undervaluing um, Eli Manning, and, and it really all comes back to him. If he's not going to perform, then obviously none of this is going to happen. Um, ever since Beckham has been there, you know, the offense has run through him, so I don't really necessarily see that changing. However, I think him and Ingram definitely developed, uh, you know, maybe out of out of the lack of other targets there, I think they also developed a rapport. Nothing but positive reports out of camp from Ingram. He's, he's basically just a big wide receiver slotted in a tight end for fantasy. I mean, I think even if he doesn't get the, the sheer volume that he got last season, I think he could get there in touchdowns. I think he's probably their best red zone, end zone target, whatever you want to call it. And if we, you know, I think Barkley could still be a running back one and not catch 75 passes like like some people are projecting him do. What if what if Barkley catch, catches 50 passes and 25 more those go to Ingram and Ingram ends up with 75 or 80 catches you know I, I still think he could he, he may not be a be the number one tight end overall especially with with Gronk looking like a monster right now and nothing else in that New England offense but I think Ingram is is almost a lock for a top five finish there and I think you know Odell I mean how, how can you say anything against him so I, I think for me I'm gonna go to Barkley I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not super confident about that because obviously I love Saquon like everybody else but if he if he ends up with 50, say 50 to 60 catches instead of 70 to in the 70 to 90 range like some people think he might then I think there's might be room for all three of them to to be in that 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 number one not number one overall but uh, a, a number one at their respective positions yeah I, I couldn't agree more it's hard to hard to choose for sure quickly where do you think Evan Ingram finishes among tight ends Matt I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three and I think I think I think going into 2019 I think Evan Ingram is gonna be the tight end one in dynasty Ryan, where does he finish? I think I agree with Matt as far as his 2019 ADP. Um, I, I don't think he finishes out of the top 12, so but I'm not quite as optimistic as Matt. I will say tight end seven. I'll, I'll go with tight end six, but I, I agree. He'll be a top two tight end for Dynasty owners come this time next year. Two more questions on the NFC East quick. Uh, real quickly, guys, Ryan, who wins the NFC East? I mean, it feels like the easy way out, but I, I just don't see any way it's not the Eagles. Matt, do you agree? Yeah, I can't. I can't pick against them. If Wentz is healthy, Week One, I can't pick against the Eagles. Yeah, I'm going to take the Eagles as well. And last question, Matt, who is the NFC East fantasy MVP? I think it's Ezekiel Elliott. I every time I look at that offense, I just don't see any, any way he doesn't hit you know, 280 to 300 carries and, and 50 plus receptions. You know, I just, I just don't see anything else happening in that offense. Ryan? 
we we certainly have a lot of good options between the Giants we talked about and and Zeke and and I would even consider Darius Geis in there. I think I have to go Zeke in the end as well. Wow, I, I think I'm going to go back to Odell Beckham Jr. I, th- I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. We we all took a pretty easy answer, no surprises there really. But but Beckham just to be a little bit different because uh, I couldn't choose between the two really. Since you guys went with the running back, I'll take the receiver uh, and say he takes the lead league by storm once again. We're going to come back after this message with a preview of the AFC East for fantasy purposes. We will be right back. Hi there. This is Tom Kislingbury of the Read and React podcast. Have you ever wished you could be an NFL general manager? I know that's what I do. I play fantasy football because I like feeling like I'm in control of a team. And now you can feel that better than ever before with Reality Sports Online. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager does. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel, so you know it's accurate, detailed and good. It features a revolutionary free agency auction room where you can have realistic decisions instead of just the highest uh, annual amount or the highest total amount. So it totally mimics NFL free agency. It enables NFL fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the top talent single or multi-year contracts in a realistic way. The platform can host up to 32 teams, just like the NFL, and it's got tons of other really cool features. It's got a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tax, contract extensions, first round rookie options, automated contracts, salary cap functionality, much, much more. If an NFL general manager does this, then RSO has probably got it too. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, if it feels realistic, if it's great, then use the promo code DLF10, that is DLF10, and receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Welcome back to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan. Over there is Matt. We just got done previewing the NFC East for fantasy purposes. Let's talk a little bit about the AFC East, fellas. We started in the NFC with the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll start in the AFC with the team they beat in the Super Bowl, the New England Patriots. Ryan, the when it comes to the Patriots right now, it seems like everything surrounding fantasy is talking about Sony Michelle and, and how there were struggles and now the injury. It seems like another mess in New England when it comes to running back. Can you trust any of these tailbacks in New England? <laughs> well, I, I still certainly like and and want Sony Michelle on my team in a dynasty league. And I think it could e- we could even see a situation as we saw um, last year where Deion Lewis, the second half of the season, kind of took over that backfield. I, I would not be surprised if Michelle does that again. Uh, it seems like everybody now with the with the struggles, with the injury, is shifting their focus to Rex Burkhead, and, and he's, he's a fun player to watch as well and had a nice year. But with him, I worry about injuries. Last year was the first year that he really saw significant work, and he had multiple injuries throughout the season. Uh, I hope that's not a trend. I want to see him play a full season, and if he does, uh, I, I would say I would trust him. But at, at this moment right now, I'm, I don't feel comfortable with any of these guys. Yeah, I don't either. And it seems like the the regular narrative when it comes to the New England backfield, we can't trust anybody. We can't trust Bill Belichick to continuously hand the same player the football. Matt, is there a guy that you're leaning on this year or at least hoping for out of this group? I I think I'm going to say, you know, with Tony Michelle struggling with Rex Burkhead kind of flying up the boards now. And like Ryan said, that that potential injury risk with him under a heavier workload, that points me back to James White. I mean, I know he doesn't carry the ball, but from a from a PPR perspective, we don't really care about that necessarily. And if one or two of these guys have injuries or Michelle can't hold on to the ball, then, you know, White could be the safest option there. I also want to, I don't want to say I avoid the New England Patriots running back situation entirely. I do like to take a shot because they are always one of the most productive running 
games in the NFL each season. So I like to take a shot. And if I'm taking a shot this year, I want the free guy. And it's probably going to be James White for me this season. I don't think it's going to be Gillisley. It, it maybe if Jeremy Hill somehow makes the roster, maybe he's a touchdown vulture. But from a PPR perspective, I think the cheapest, safest option might be James White. I think if I have to choose, I'm still going to go with Sony Michelle, even with all the bad news and, and all the all, all the reports coming out of New England and Foxborough. I, I just don't believe that Bill Belichick's going to use that draft pick on a running back and just let him sit. Uh, I guess there's the possibility that he brings him out of the doghouse next year or something like that. I think he gets healthy at some point. He gets his opportunity, and they, they're going to want to showcase what they got with that first round pick interesting guys we're we're in that dlf podcast listener league and we just held the 2018 rookie draft sony michelle went as the third pick in that draft of course that league includes bonuses for carries and things like that so those running backs are valued a little bit higher over there i was a little bit surprised to see him go that high I have a draft coming up, like I mentioned before. Don't expect him to go that high. Of course, that one's probably going to end up being changed to a super flex this year. So that's going to affect things. Uh, doesn't have the point per carry bonuses or anything like that. Um, across leagues that I've been looking at, of all these running backs, he's the guy that's been falling. Matt, where do you expect him to go in, in rookie drafts over the next three weeks? I've seen him go anywhere from two to like nine Maybe maybe ten. I can't remember, but I do think his stock is falling. I wouldn't take him. I think I think I want Barkley, Geis, Chubb, Penny, maybe even Royce. I, I, I'm going to say Royce Freeman too. I want these guys all over all over Sony Michelle right now. So maybe seven or eight is where I would be comfortable taking him right before maybe right before Carryon Johnson goes. Ryan, could you see these wide receivers jumping above him? Uh. I- I don't think so. Uh, I mean, we, we've started to hear some good news about uh, about Cortland Sutton. He seems to be gaining steam a little bit. And and we talked last week about Anthony Miller jumping into that first round. In general, if you're talking ADP or, or kind of a consensus rank, I, I actually don't think Michelle falls that much with this injury just because I, I think he's pretty firmly in that tier. I don't think he's going to fall a tier to where the wide receivers are, to where carry on Johnson is. If I guess if Ronald Jones was behind him in ADP, maybe Jones could jump him, but he hasn't, uh, we haven't heard great news about him either. It, it's, it's really just a case of most of these players not standing out so far in camp. So even a, a an injury, a knee injury like this is not going to hurt his value too much yet. He's also 23. We don't talk about that that much. We call Calvin Ridley old because he's 23, but Sonny Michelle's 23 too. Yeah, but he's a running back, so we only expect him to, <laughs> to go for about four years anyway. So it'd be out. Let's move over to the receivers, guys. It seems like perennially a wide receiver in New England puts up big numbers and is part of championship teams. Uh, goes on those runs with Tom Brady. It's a little bit different this year, though. Julian Edelman has his suspension. Chris Hogan's kind of the the popular choice among those Patriots wide receivers. After that, gets kind of dicey. Um, I don't know who you guys trust. Is it is it just Hogan? Do you, are you willing to wait for Julian Edelman? Maybe it's one of these other guys like Kenny Britt. They just signed Eric Decker. Ryan, who do you trust among these wide receivers in New England? I still think Edelman is the guy to have, especially considering uh, the discounts you're going to get on him and really in all formats at this point because of the suspension. Um, I don't see I don't see much of a reason that once he comes back, he's not going to pick up where he left off. I kind of agree with you. Uh, his ADP is 107 in July. Hogan is all the way up at 88. Matt, you're a Chris Hogan believer. Talk us out of Edelman. I can based on the price. I mean, Edelman is certainly cheaper based on the, the suspension and the age. And and I think once he comes back, he's going to be you know a, a solid fantasy play for you. But I do like Hogan. I think he's a little bit undervalued, even at his um, a little bit elevated ADP right now. I don't you know. Th- th- well, let's just look at it this way: through the first five weeks last season, Chris Hogan was a top ten wide receiver. 
um, while he was healthy. He out he was he was the wide receiver one over Brandon Cooks during, while he was healthy, and it wasn't really until Hogan kind of kind of suffered those injuries that that Cook really kind of took over as the top option in that offense with Edelman also gone for last season. So I I, I do like him. I, I I don't think you can really buy him I don't really I don't know what you're going to do with him in turn in the trade market because I think that whoever has him isn't going to want to sell him for a second or and certainly not a third but I don't think you're going to be able to buy him for that so he's a really tough guy right now I think if I had him I would just just hold him and hold out for that production because I do think he's going to be the top option at least while Edelman is out and maybe even after that I mean he's definitely the top uh, deep target for for Brady this this season wouldn't you say yeah, so Hogan's August ADP, we do we do have that data. He's up to 77, so he's moved up um, almost a full round since last month. The interesting thing with him looking at our mock drafts is the range. He went as high as 56 in one of our mocks and as as low as 100 overall. Yeah, that fifth that fifth round, fifth to sixth round range is not somewhere I would be looking to take him. But as 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 a, as a, somebody that's already on your roster, I think you can get wide receiver two production with wide receiver one week certainly out of Hogan this season. That seems like to me with with Hogan going that high in those startups, that a little bit of that redraft philosophy is creeping into some of those drafts philosophy perhaps uh i like hogan just fine as well but in a dynasty i don't i'm not spending a top five pick on or a top first five round pick on on chris hogan let's move over to the buffalo bills guys uh i think we could probably cover this one pretty quickly (laughs) it seems like there's the potential for this to be a fantasy graveyard at least in 2018 we'll start with you matt can can one of these quarterbacks make any of these pass catchers useful for dynasty owners in 2018? No, <laughs> no, I, I don't really have anything else to add to that. I mean, I guess Kelvin Benjamin, maybe he could get, get some touchdowns. Charles Clay is still my favorite option in the passing game, even, even with the Corey Coleman trade. So I, I, I just, I really don't want any part of it except for maybe Clay as a, you know, as my last pick and the, or my, my, my last starter, I guess, in, in a, in a startup. Ryan, your thoughts? Kelvin Benjamin, Corey Coleman now, of course. Zay Jones is still there. Charles Clay. Malachi Dupree, perhaps? No, no. I mean, they they have bad quarterbacks and they have bad receivers. So that's... Curly. Curly. What about Jeremy Curly? Curly's going to lead that no, team in receptions. Not. No, Watch. Not. It's going to happen. Even if he does, it'll be 44 <laughs> catches. Well, right. Actually, the best pass catcher there is obviously LaShawn McCoy moving over to that running game and Shady. You know, I still believe he's obviously the offense is going to run through him. If LaShawn McCoy plays 16 games, Ryan, where does he finish among running backs in PPR? It's hard to, even with the depth of that position, it's hard to see him finishing outside of that top 12, outside of that RB1 range, because he is going to be. I mean, he's clearly the the best best player on that offense. He's he's going to see as many touches as he can handle, both in the passing game and, of course, as a runner. And if you're telling me he plays all 16 and I don't have to worry about injury, I don't have to worry about a possible suspension with this uh, these accusations we've heard this offseason, then I'm, I'm comfortable with him as my RB2 on, on a championship contender. Absolutely. I, I, I was a big fan of Shady for his entire career. I still am, uh, at least the player on the field. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes in PPR leagues. He, even on his worst day, I think will be so useful because they don't have a guy to stick in there to catch those six passes at the end of the game. They're going to have to use him. He'll, he'll run it early. He'll, he'll catch it late. Matt, what are your thoughts? I'm kind of thinking if he plays 16, he's going to be running back eight in PPR, minimal. Yeah, I'm not as I'm not as optimistic as you guys. I think he's a sheer volume play this year, and he could he could come into the back end of those running back ones. You know, if he gets 280 plus touches again, which he probably is if he plays 16 games. But I I don't really want any part of him. I'm willing to let somebody else take McCoy this year. So what what are you selling him for if you have him and you're you're ready to move on with all these allegations over his head and things like that. What are you expecting to get? I'll take an early, I'll take any early second. I I'd probably still be buying, especially if I, if I think I can be a contender, even with all that news surrounding him, let's go over to the New York jets guys, Matt, 
another group of wide receivers that is looking pretty good <laughs> over there in New York. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty. Uh, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunwa, Jermaine Curse. Is there somebody else maybe? What what wide receiver is the guy that you want on your roster of that group? Yeah, way to lead this series off with the with the AFC East, Dan. Oh. I mean, really <laughs> yeah. powerhouse. People wonder how fantasy how players are going to go fourteen and two. Well, they get to play these teams <laughs> twice each. Man, I don't. I, I guess it's I guess it's Robbie Anderson, but I don't really want him. I mean, he has his own off the field issues. He seems like whatever you want to call him, a knucklehead. I don't really trust him at all. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't want any of these guys. If if, if, I, if I have to take one, I'll take Jermaine Curse at two fifty six ADP because he's free. But I, I'm not. I'm not investing a, a a top 100 pick in Anderson. I'm not investing a top 150 pick in Anunua. Um, it's not this. This offense is not for me. Yeah, it's not really for me either. But you mentioned Curse at at that ADP. He had a couple games and yeah. he he showed a little bit of upside. You know, we're we're not talking about just catching a few balls. He had multi touchdown games. Uh, went over a hundred yards a couple times late in the season. Uh, could be useful. I, he's a guy that I want as my last guy in my roster for sure. I bet I bet Seattle wishes they had him still. <laughs> I, bet, I bet you're right. Ryan, uh, is there somebody you wish you had on your dynasty roster out of this group? It's kind of going it's going pretty far. I mean, Anderson is is I guess the the prize of this group, but you have to worry about his off-field stuff as Matt was saying and I, I just don't know. I don't know if he's long for the league, honestly. Uh, I, I'm a little intrigued with Chad Hansen, uh, their, their second-year guy. He didn't get much of an opportunity last year. I w- hope to see him a little more this year just to kind of find out what he is. I like their rookie tight end, Chris Herndon. But, I mean, we're just talking we're just talking about stash guys at this point. So, our, our Darius Stewart I liked, but he's in trouble now, too. So, he's not going to be playing. I think it's a two- or four-game suspension that he has. So, he's probably not going to be a factor this year, either. Yeah, and, you know, there's the post-hype sleeper, Terrell Pryor. Maybe he wakes up and, and comes back. There, there's just so much of a mess here. And I don't believe in Pryor, by the way. But there, there's just so many names here. It's just thrown into a basket. I, I really don't expect much to come out of it. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned Herndon. Some good news coming out of New York recently about Chris Herndon. The potential for him to get on the field as a rookie might move him up draft boards for for us drafting in late season drafts. Uh, Might be a good trade target for those looking for a developmental tight end as well. Let's go over to the running game real quickly with the Jets. It doesn't get a whole lot better with this group either now that elijah mcguire has gone down with a relatively serious injury guys it seems like isaiah crowell is going to have a pretty big role in this backfield ryan what do you think his upside is in ppr leagues for 2018 i mean i I guess it's improved certainly with you have to assume more involvement more opportunity with the injury to mcguire but i kind of felt like the plan was to move from Bilal Powell to McGuire. And if McGuire's not there, Powell still is. So it's still not going to be, we're not going to see Crowell as an every down guy. Last year, I think he was, he struggled. I think he was outside of the top 30. And uh, two years ago was when he had his, his big season as a high, high end RB two. If he finishes as a low end RB two this year, I, I think that would be, that's kind of a best case scenario. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Matt, do you have higher prospects for Crowell this year? I do think I like him a little bit more than you guys. I, I liked him coming out. I like following his story uh, and all that coming out of college. And it, it's just tough because I do think Powell is going to be that. He's a he's a great pass catcher. Um, they clearly don't want Powell to be the guy. Otherwise, they, they probably wouldn't have brought in Crowell um but it's just tough from a dynasty perspective because the guys going around him like every single guy going around him you want over him at least I do he's, he's currently running back 37 in July ADP just after him is Naheem Hines Chris Thompson Ty Montgomery Carlos Hyde I mean he has the role but I just don't know if he really has the upside to outplay anybody that, that, that is take being taken around him so I, I'll, I'll say a mid to, mid to low RB2 um with you know some running back one tweaks certainly sprinkled in there yeah I, I, I certainly think there's the potential for those running back one weeks 
uh, especially if he's able to get into the end zone. But I think there's also the potential for the five-carry, seven-yard type game uh, if the Jets are to fall behind. And they have a good coaching staff as well, certainly outperformed the talent they had on the roster a year ago. But they're going to be in a transition at quarterback. There's there's all the question marks surrounding the talent uh, at the skill positions as well. So um, I don't think anybody has real high hopes for, for the fantasy upside of those skill position players in New York, but we'll be watching it closely and hoping for one of those guys to emerge. Maybe it's Crowell. Maybe it's one of those receivers. Could be even a surprise like Herndon. Let's go on to the final team of the preview of the AFC East here. It's the Miami Dolphins, guys. It's it's another <laughs> glob of wide receivers, of pass catchers, guys that have some names in here. But we're going to have to siphon through this, Matt, and try to figure out who we like best and and who we think will carry value into 2019. There's the potential that Kenny Stills has a nice season. Devontae Parker's still there, and and you know I'm losing faith in him. And I've been one of one of the guys on the bandwagon shouting to to jump on board. Uh, Danny Amendola is also there. Mike Gesicki is there. There's some there's some uh, upside among the depth at wide receiver as well with Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant and even Leonte Carew. Is there a guy here that you feel has the upside to take the next step, Matt? And and who do you feel has has the most upside to be the most valuable a year from now? I mean, that's, that's all we ever say about Parker, right, is upside. And that, I mean, he has the upside to do it. He's just not. And there's more bad reports at camp this year. I mean, he, there's been good reports too, but there's been also been bad reports about him being largely ineffective this this offseason against their uh, their top cornerback, whose name escapes me right now. Um, the guy they drafted last last year, I believe. Uh, but but anyway, I think for me out of this group, Stills is the one that I want for 2018. I, th- I think the real problem with this Dolphins offense is that we're heading into year three with, with Adam Gase right now as the head coach, and they still have no identity. I mean, when you think of the Dolphins, what do you think of other than just pure ineptitude? I mean, I mean what, do, what do you think about offensively with them? Are they're not a power running game? They're not a high-flying passing attack. They're not an efficient dink and duck offense. I mean, that's, that's typically what Ryan Tannehill has been in his career, but I wouldn't even say they're that good at that. So maybe with Ammon Dola and, and Albert Wilson coming in that they can go back to that stuff that, that Tannehill is really comfortable with. Um, but for me, I, I think the guy that I want based on the price and, and what he could possibly do is Kenny Stills. I think he's produced well in all the opportunities he's been given in Miami. And I don't think we can necessarily say that about Parker or anybody else here. Yeah, I, I agree that that Stills is probably is the most likely to be the most productive in 2018 of the wide receivers. Uh, the question really was what what pass catcher is going to be most valuable next year. I'm gonna I'm, I'll take Mike Mike Gesicki among that group, uh, and that, it's me falling off that bandwagon for Parker. Uh, Amadola can't stay healthy. I like Stills. It, I, I just don't know if he's ever going to be that true number one on a team, and if that'll ever translate to a true wide receiver two in fantasy. So. Ryan, I'm going to take Gusecki. Who are you going to take? I'm going to take Gusecki as well. I've already, um, I guess, gone on record projecting him to have a tight end one fantasy season as a rookie, uh, which I do understand is is rare. Of course, we saw Matt's guy, Evan Ingram, do it last year, and I, I think Grock did it several years ago. Jeremy Shockey did that several years ago, but it, it, it's pretty, pretty uncommon. I, I do see Gusecki at least getting the opportunity to put up those type of numbers. And again, as we saw with Evan Ingram, if he finishes inside that tight end one range as a young tight end, as, as kind of ugly as that position is right now, I think he would jump five to six to seven rounds in, in dynasty ADP. So Mike Gusecki is 17 in rookie ADP right now. If, if that's truly the case, there's a case to be made that he should be right around the turn from from the 12th to 13th pick most likely right Ryan sure I mean I'm sure a lot of people are wishing they had taken uh Evan Ingram in that range rather than uh you know one of these one of these guys who disappointed but I mean we're we're, yeah you said it we're (laughs) we're always going to I guess trend towards the running backs and wide receivers because we know if if they do hit they they hit big and they they gain big time value. So and, and that's not to say Gasecki won't. We again we saw it with Ingram. So 
I mean, I, I can't advocate, even though I think he gains the most value, I wouldn't necessarily say take him over James Washington or Anthony Miller or, you know, Christian Kirk or whoever's going in that range. I, I think his, his ADP in that 15, 16 range is appropriate right now. Yeah, I, I just did an update over at DLF of my rookie rankings for those of you going into your rookie drafts late in the season here. And I moved Gasecki up to 14, a lot like what you were talking about. I had a hard time moving him over guys like Anthony Miller, Carrion Johnson, Royce Freeman. That wasn't going to happen for me. I did make the jump and put him one spot ahead of James Washington. However, I just th- I agree with you. I think there's the upside of a big season um in as a, as a rookie James Washington maybe quite not quite so that was enough for me to move him one spot ahead to to finish things up here in Miami guys Ryan Kenyon Drake that backfield in general really there are question marks there but Drake had a good finish to to last year um he's obviously the guy going into this season but are you going to trust Kenyon Drake to hold on to that lead back role all year if he stays healthy I think we have to, uh, Matt kind of alluded to just the the craziness that's going on in Miami. We see, we see something new every day, it seems like, through training camp. And if you think back to last year, the quotes we kept getting from Adam Gaze and his staff was every single player was going to have this breakout season, this huge st- statistical season, um, which just got you know, we were all just laughing at that. And, and now he's doing it again this off season, they sign Albert Wilson to a $25 million deal. And, and they don't, they don't know how to use him today. They tell us he's going to pl- get snaps at running back. Uh, they list Mike Gusecki as their fifth tight end. They list Frank Gore as a co-starter along with Drake. Just none of this makes sense. But in the end, when you look at, at Drake's competition as, as the old man Gore and and Balage, who I don't have a ton of faith in, especially as a rookie, I think you have to feel pretty safe about Drake, despite despite the coaching situation there. Yeah, I think trust is a loaded word. I don't I don't trust it because I don't trust that coaching staff for all the reasons that you just said, Ryan. I think there there's the potential for this to be a real big mess by week six or so. Either Drake gets off to a slow start, has a fumble or two, maybe just gets nicked up just a little bit, but still healthy enough to, to suit up every week. And all of a sudden, people are screaming and clamoring for Kalen Balaj to get chances. They want the stability of Frank Gore, even though he's 75 years old. Matt, what about you? Do, do you trust Drake to, to be one of your top two running backs on one of your fantasy rosters no not not at all not 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 even a little bit i i do think gore is gonna i mean unless they just really just brought him in to like come back home to to the u or whatever i just like why do you why are you bringing in frank gore otherwise if they're not if you're not going to use him um so I, I think that Gore is going to take enough away from Drake. And we may not care because Drake's probably going to catch all the passes unless – but Kalen Balaj takes over that way. I'm not a believer in Balaj either, but one of his strengths is in the receiving game. So if Gore ends up taking, you know, 30 to 40% of the, the carries and and Balaj ends up taking the 30, 40% of the, of the passing work from coming out of the running back position, then, then where are we at with Drake? And, you know, we're looking at probably at best a low-end running back two and probably more likely a running back three when all is said and done. So – uh, I, I don't trust anybody in that situation at all. I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm leery, very leery when it comes to Kenyon Drake, and I was a big fan of his coming out of college. Before we wrap things up, guys, we'll go through the same exercise we did when we finished up the NFC East. Matt, who wins the AFC East? <laughs> Come on. He, he, he almost said it with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, you can't. I, I I do think that the Patriots' offense is gonna. I don't know if I want to say take a step back, but I, I do think they will. Tom Brady led the league in passing last year. I don't think that's probably going to happen again with with those limited weapons that he has. But still, with with these other three teams in the division, I don't know how you could pick any other team but the Patriots. Come on, now Gronk can have fifteen hundred yards <laughs> and twenty touchdowns. Spoiler alert: He's the MVP of this division. Oh, hey. <laughs> I think the better question is who finishes second. Oh, gosh. I think I'm going to take the I'm going to take the Jets, Jets too, yeah. Staff. I yeah. think you almost have to, especially if McCown stays healthy or Darnold plays well, you know. 
no doubt. So, Matt, you take Gronk as your AFC East MVP. Easily. Ryan, do Yes, you I do. I take Gronk as well. Yeah, I was going to take Gronk, but in the, the last division, I went over to left field because you guys <laughs> ganged up. Uh, I think I'll do the same thing again here. I'm going to take LaShawn McCoy for Ooh. one more year. He's going to uh. have one more big season. Uh, he'll finish as the running back eight this year and push the push the old man clock back one one season. You only say that because you want an invite to his next party. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, this podcast is over. Next week, we're going to cover the AFC and NFC South. A little more talent in those divisions for sure. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.